1: As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 22nd day of July, the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today?
3: Healthy and alive. Doing well. Um, You know, fortunately not roasting uh, today. Got nice cloud cover and quite nice actually
0: that's good that's good it did cool down here today a little bit as well and of course being as it is friday somewhere between iconic and psychotic the fan favorite marty foster marty how are
1: you i'm very good thank you very much johnny hi bruce um also not roasting the british summer the deadly heat wave lasted exactly 48 hours and we're overcast and back down into the 20s um quite comfortably thank you very much
0: I do want to hear about. The, I do want to talk about the heat wave, but we're not going to get to that just yet because. I want to talk about something else first, and then we can discuss everything that's going on with the heat wave and how it's going to be the death of everything and including you. Uh, And I was I was so concerned about your health that I actually I rang you up on the, the hottest day that's ever been recorded in the UK. I rang you up and asked if you were okay because I heard that the runway had melted at one of the RAF airfields. So but we can talk about that later. I want to ask you something very important, Marty. Did you watch The Terminator the other night?
1: well i saw the last bit of um, prime minister's question time if that's yep, what that's to exactly what, what i you mean. refer
0: that is exactly what i'm referring to yes i'd like to uh, i'd like to start with exhibit a this is boris at the end of his prime minister's q and a uh,
1: i want to thank everybody here and hasta la vista baby
4: thank you
0: Okay. All right, all right. All right. So let me get this straight. So he pulls off an Arnold Schwarzenegger quote from the movie, The Terminator, and he gets a standing ovation from a packed house at Westminster. The man's going out and going down as a disgrace in British politics, um, and he
1: gets a standing well, ovation. He is going down as a disgrace in British politics, but actually they're all a disgrace. So In in that particular chamber, one would expect them all to applaud each other. However, Theresa May didn't take part in the ovation. She stood off to one side and wasn't clapping her hands. Um, I'm pretty sure the opposition were chuffed to bits because um, they no longer have Boris's popularity um, to worry about come the next general election. Again, it's a game. Keir Starmer, the leader, of the Labour Party, the leader of the opposition couldn't even think what to say about what his own party would suggest and and would do for one particular question. Instead, he decided to sing the praises of Penny Mordaunt, um, who is the no, no, no. Uh, she's the MP, the Conservative MP for Portsmouth North, and a Bill Gates' lackey. Uh, And also now out of the race. She is. Um, Uh, They are down to two uh, right now. As you can see, you've got two choices here. (laughs) Yeah, you've got Rishi Sunak, um, who was born into money and then married a billionaire's daughter.
0: He has contracts, by the way, with uh, Communist China and their social credit system in a bid to develop the uh, the QR code system and implement it here in the West.
1: Well, have you seen the, the video of him when he was much younger being interviewed, probably as a young conservative, saying, Oh, I've got working class friends. Well, actually, no, I haven't got working class friends. I've yeah, got middle I have class seen friends that. and high class friends. That, yeah. And then you've got Liz Truss, which Truss is a funny old name, isn't it? It's a Don't you trust her? A, a
0: don't. <laughs>
1: this is the woman that said, we need to encourage British men to go to Ukraine and fight. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say. That anyone who would say such a thing, bearing in mind how anti Islamic State mercenaries traveling across to, to Libya and, sorry, to Syria to fight were were treated, and quite rightly from the British government, what makes this any different apart from the fact that? They've chosen to support Zelensky in opposition to Putin, where both are as bad as each other. No, the reason trust is a funny name, it's, it's a surgical item that you wear to help when you've got a hernia. A hernia is a breakdown in, in the muscle wall, and, and that's what we've got because our cabinet has been penetrated. The muscle wall of our cabinet has been penetrated, and we have a massive hernia. And so perhaps a trust will help but not that particular trust
0: you know most of these european countries are uh, are hemorrhaging they're changing out their leaders macron is a lame duck you guys are losing boris so there's a change out there uh, mario draghi is out as of today the president of uh, uh of italy has dissolved the parliament per decree so he's out and now you've got, it It remains to be seen, but what's his name? Schultz here in um, uh, here in Germany. They're talking about possibly axing him because of that nonsense that was going on at some party that he attended where some women were taken advantage of last week. So yeah. there's a change out that's going on. And, and same thing with uh, down in Australia. You saw the uh, the headline of The Independent, yep. Dan Andrews, uh, Premier Victoria. He's on the chopping block. He's had to come out and make public well, statements. Th- 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 it sounds like they're they're changing all these people out.
1: But this chopping block doesn't involve any jail time. Doesn't no, involve no, any they're actual going to, they're going to get punishment for what they've yeah, done. Exactly, and that's what happens. And and likewise, I don't want to steal your thunder, but in in the U.S. with Biden talking about his brain tumor uh, and talking about now having COVID, so I I'd give the man two three weeks tops before he steps aside and your VP takes over.
0: Oh god, help us. She's even worse.
1: We can talk about the Biden thing.
0: I've got clips of that yesterday and I've got clips of him today and I've got clips of the White House uh, saying that. But uh, you got anything else on the PM race uh, before we move on to the uh, the the thing that's going to kill us all, uh, climate change?
1: I've got nothing else on on the PM race other than I hope they both fall over before they get anywhere near the finish line. Uh, I'm hoping in vain. Because one of them will certainly uh, take over as PM and whichever one it is will ensure that the Tory party loses the next election. And well, quite frankly, that would pave the way for Labour to go in. And I don't like Mr. Starmer all too well, to be fair. I don't like anything about Labour. Quite frankly, well, at all, I'll be I like a free you. market economy, That's, and yeah, I don't yep. like socialists. End of story. No argument um, for me, my friend. But
0: I, you when know, when I saw if, when I saw Sir Keir Starmer working that heavy bag, I mean, I I, I lost it.
1: You know, I, I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. He couldn't knock the skin off a rice pudding. Quite frankly, <laughs> I don't get skin when I make my rice pudding. Oh, the skin's the best part that's no, that's, no. Where, all the, that's where all the cream has risen to the top it's been slightly dextrin- dextrinized in the oven uh and you've got all the oven. cinnamon and sugar
4: yeah oven
0: how how dare you speak that yeah. blasphemy to me i slow cook mine for six hours
1: that well you're doing it wrong a good rice you haven't pudding, tried it well I'm, i i may not have tried it but i have tried the best rice pudding in the entire world which mm-hmm. is Used to be made by my grandfather, and you just can't beat okay. that. All right, I will yield to armies. Armies could march on that okay. rice pudding. All right,
0: all right, I'll I'll yield to that uh, because it's you know you just can't beat good old fashioned cooking. But let's get down to um, let's get down to the brass tacks of how bad it was on the hottest day of the year in the UK. Sky News.
4: Let's just bring you some breaking news now. Sky News understands uh, the RAF has halted flights in and out of RAF and Norton because the runway has melted in this extreme weather. Now, Bryson Horton is in Oxfordshire. It's the largest RAF base in the country. And another source has been telling Sky News this afternoon that contingency plans have been implemented to ensure that there is no impact on any military operations today.
0: Now, I'm sure that you've been to that airport a time or two. I have. Yeah, once or twice. Have you ever seen? Yeah. Have you ever seen? Now, uh, mind you, I've gone back and I've watched and there are clips floating around out there. I don't have one right offhand, but I've gone back and I've watched clips from the nineties of them giving weather reports in the UK, and they had hotter temperatures than this. And I don't believe that you've probably ever seen or even heard of that runway at that airport, which you've been to a time or two. You've never heard of that runway
1: melting, have you? Strange thing has happened recently. The RAF and the RAF bases uh used to have uniformed serving firefighters that would operate the the emergency vehicles, which have carried a great deal of water and can completely cover a a runway uh, in foam or water or both in, in quite a short space of time. Funny old thing, that's now been outsourced to a civilian company and they're paid to deal with emergencies and fires. They're not paid to cool down runways, which is what the uniformed serving guys would have done some years back. As soon as the temperature got too hot, because aeroplanes can take off and land in rain and wet conditions, and, and they take off and land in in and out of the desert all the time. You've been out there. That is also true, but bearing in mind that Bryce Norton isn't a a strike airbase or a, a fighter airbase; it's a transport airbase. So Hercules. Well, back in my day, it was things as old as VC-10s and Tri-Stars. But whatever they're using nowadays to to transport people around, you know, service people around the world, that's what's going in and out of Bryce Norton. There's another airport quite nearby called Farnborough, and and that's a civilian airport, and it belongs to a defence company. And that runway didn't melt. So who knows that it's just a a piece of newsworthy nonsense that is uh, has been put out to you know raise the fear levels and to make us question things but there is an issue in this country we are not geared up for extremes of of temperature hot or cold the railways virtually stopped because they were saying that the rails were buckling because of heat expansion so who knows? I mean, we've all become less well-travelled recently because we're all working from home, or most of us are. Uh, and those that do have to travel are having a hell of a time doing so because of all these little problems that keep cropping up. It's it's just adding to the misery. And it's about time we, we sorted our shizzle out, basically, and, and made sure our infrastructure can cope with 40, even 50 degrees. But as I said earlier, and Bruce has confirmed it at his end, the heat wave's virtually over. It was two days where where we had isolated incidences of 40-degree heat but it's back down in the 20s now.
0: And I can only imagine the look on these people's faces. Of course, they're going to use the same agenda to flip it the other way. Um, I can only imagine once we trend back down into uh, what's known as the grand solar minimum and we start dealing with colder temperatures all the time, I can only imagine what they're going to say then. Oh, see? See, look what we did. It worked. Look at all the money we spent. Look at all the changes we've made. It all worked. Yeah, right. But each news outlet is running their own fear porn, right? You've got the Sun Papers here. Boiling Point, Britain sweltering heat wave risk, sparking riots and emergency services, meltdown government fears. You see, the heat is going to cause riots in the UK,
1: Marty. You see that? Uh, yeah, but 40 years ago... That would have been, phew, what a scorcher. Britons enjoy the sun at the beach. Um, That's right. That is right. Yeah. But that's not the narrative. That's not what we're being fed. We're being fed this fear porn, as you put it, which is a great term, sums it up exactly.
0: And then, of course, you've got uh, other outlets such as The Telegraph, the uh, headline you see here. And you and I spoke
1: on the phone about this the other day, and I'd like for you to talk about this. this this is... So, the byline of the headlot of, of the news piece is your blood thickens and then clots. What extreme heat can do to your body? No, that's what dehydration can do to your body. If you hydrate, that doesn't happen. What actually happens is your blood thins um, if you hydrate correctly. I spent 10 years living in, for quite long periods of the year, 40 to 50 degree heat uh, in the Middle East. And When I came back to the UK, my blood had thinned, whereas I used to be into really cold water, wild swimming. I could jump into any temperature uh, of water. In fact, when I was a boy, if we were at the, the beach... Um, We were going swimming. Didn't matter if it was the middle of July or the middle of January, we were going swimming. End of story. And so I could cope with that. But when I came back from the Middle East after spending so long uh, out there, my blood had thinned and and I can't cope with the cold quite as well as I, I used to be able to. I want to thank you for clearing that up because
0: I can't tell you how many times I've seen cases where people's blood thickens and then clots when extreme heat happens. I can't tell you how many times I've seen headlines of that Well, over of the
1: course, years. we've got our own beliefs, although we can't 100% prove them as yet, that blood clots are a direct side effect of the snake oil but i think bruce has something to say i do um
3: there's been a paper that's come out from the german government and they've shown that of vaccinations the people that have been vaccinated one in five thousand have severe adverse effects
0: no see they one revised 5, that, they, no they revised that statement yesterday they, they made an official revision to that they said one in five thousand vaccines administered not five thousand people
3: okay vaccines administered either way um, it's the same thing. That's still <laughs> it's the same, the same effectively. I mean, okay, now you're reducing the number of people that it's affecting. Now it's everybody that's gone in and got jabbed and gotten boosted. Your, yeah. your chances of having an adverse effect uh, is skyrocketed. The, I the caveat if- I want to throw in here real quick. This data is like our VARES data. It's only about 4 to 5% of the actual
1: cases Obviously, we're talking on the the heat wave at the moment, uh, but it looks like we're going to segue into... We're drifting,
0: but I don't want to get there yet, but go ahead. I've got one clip from the United Nations that we have to get to. Well, I want to talk about the TV propaganda
1: I watched last night. So
0: if you want to do that... Well, I'll tell you what, hold that. Yeah, we'll, we, we will go straight to that after this. But sure. the only reason I have to play this is because this individual that cares so much about the climate, this guy, he's done so much work and so, so much. He's given so much of his own time, his own money. He's willing to get on his own private jet that costs about 125,000 pounds to fly him and his missus and his entourage to New York and to take the long caravan with the limousines, you know, the armored limousines and the bulletproof cars and the vans and everything else, and to go to the United Nations and to speak at the General Assembly about what he's so passionate about and what humanity is experiencing because of climate change. And that's Prince Harry. Let's hear what he has to say.
2: How many of us feel battered, helpless, in the face of the seemingly endless stream of disasters and devastation? I understand. This has been a painful year in a painful decade. We're living through a pandemic that continues to ravage communities in every corner of the globe. Climate change wreaking havoc on our planet with the most vulnerable suffering most of all. The few weaponizing lies and disinformation at the expense of the many. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, we are witnessing a global assault on
1: democracy and freedom. Does that all sound like reprojection to you? Because it does to me. Look, there's a there's a TV comedy. You can probably get it on Netflix. Other streaming services are available. Called The Windsors. If you watch The Windsors, you will see what uh, at least the entertainment world thinks of Prince Harry. He was greatly respected for his service in Afghanistan and. He's a brave enough lad, and he was very laddish um, before he married, but he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. He was um, a sandwich short of a picnic in in terms of intelligence, shall we say. And that speech was written for him, and he's being worked by the elite. He's bought in, into that whole organisation. His father, if indeed... Uh, well, I won't go there, but Prince Charles is the same. he's he's totally on online with it because they know that the only way the New World order will allow things like our monarchy to continue to exist is if they toe the line and spout the uh, the narrative and and that's that's what that young man is doing. And my royalism has been sinusoidal. Throughout my life, at one point I was so anti-royal. How dare they? How you know? Why should my parents and grandparents pay taxes just so this family can live a life of privilege? And then I served and realized that having something to stand behind and be proud of is a good thing. And the concept of of the royal family, and certainly uh, a lifetime of of work from Her Majesty of Queen was something that I could appreciate and be loyal to. But, bless her, she's not going to live forever. And then you've got the tree hugger, Charles, is going to take over. You've got his brainwashed, groomed sons speaking the party line and and spouting the, the, the narrative given directly to them from Davos. And when I heard Charles say... Build back better. I was gutted, absolutely gutted, because I knew at that very instant that it's all a lie, or will soon all become a lie once Queen Elizabeth II is no longer
0: our monarch. And for that, and I'm not trying to be funny here, uh, because I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, of your royals, but. And I I do mean this with all sincerity. I do feel sorry for you uh, in that sense because it's part of your culture. You know that's that's part of your traditional thing. There is is to appreciate the royal family and to look up to them and to and to respect them and to honor them. And I mean that's that's part of what it is. I I understand they're symbolic and all that stuff. And you know it's it's more about tradition and things. You do have the um, technically it's it's a constitutional monarchy, but yet you guys don't have a constitution. You have kind of a. A handshake agreement between the monarchs and the government. And that's how you have a functioning system. But nonetheless, growing up and and having that, and then once you get to a point in your life where you think, wait a minute, you know, just as you were saying, I've believed in these people. I've actually I've believed in the system that we've had here. And then you realize that it's all been a lie. It's the same thing with with us in the US. You know, we grow up thinking, oh, yes, three branches of government and the president this and, you know, everything is the buck stops there. And uh, and this is the person that makes all the decisions. And that's not the case at all. Once you become politically aware, and I'm sure it's the same thing when it comes to royals, because that's politics, just in a different form. But once you become aware of the inner workings of these systems and you realize, hey, wait a minute, all this is being done, it's all being orchestrated by other people that you don't vote for and you don't see, it kind of loses its lackluster
1: value, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it does. You know, as a as a military man, I was in a regiment that has a royal title. I was in a navy that is the Royal Navy. So my old regiment was the Royal Anglian regiment didn't charles sir charles was navy wasn't he yeah charles was navy yes and so was his his brother that doesn't sweat um (laughs) he's amazing that's amazing i I know you talked about meeting andrew at one point or twice actually yeah a couple of times and that's where the pride comes in so you know you've got the prestige units of the british armed forces you the parachute regiment the royal marines they call everybody else crap hats yeah, so I was a crap hat, but my crap hat had royal in the title, and you could get behind that because it means that your colonel-in-chief is going to be one of the royals, and that's how they, that's how they do things. So from time to time, you'll see Charles in an army uniform, an RAF uniform, or a navy uniform. Likewise, William, but no longer Harry. So, so they, they swap the uniforms depending on the occasion. And it it gave your average serviceman something to believe in, something to get behind. But, you know, like I said, it's been a sinusoidal thing, peaks and troughs. And it started as a trough, it rose to a peak, and it's all the way back down to a trough again at the moment. And I I, I can't see the monarchy actually surviving this. Once everyone is fully aware of the truth and they realise that Charles is a sellout, and if he ever makes it to the throne, I'll be surprised. Do you think that she's holding on because she doesn't want him to take the throne? Well, there, there was a very similar situation in the Gulf, in the UAE. The previous ruler, well, I can't remember his name Brother Khalifa, Zayed. sorry. Oh, Khalifa, yeah. No, no. The the first ruler was uh, King Zayed or Sheikh Zayed, and then his son Khalifa took over. Oh, but God. he's been, he was very ill for a very long time and there's strong suspicion that he was being artificially kept alive because the last wife of Sheikh Zayed didn't want a certain individual to take over the succession. And now uh, Sheikh Mohammed has taken over on the death of Sheikh Khalifa. So, you know, the, these things kind of do happen in royal situations. People are, they hang on. the The death... In some cases, may not get announced immediately. It might just have to wait a little bit until the time some, is right. Yeah,
0: some people are speculating, and I don't know this. I'm just saying it. You know, from several different things that I've heard, some people are speculating that Mohammed bin Salman has already taken over in Saudi Arabia.
1: Yeah, his, certainly in Saudi. He, yeah, he. Yeah, he's made lots of changes. He's he's um his attempts to liberalize a little bit more. You know, allowing women to drive. That's a big um, step for them. That's a big. Well, I, I remember having conversations about that with a couple of locals that were effectively my boss. I was asked what what I thought about it, and I I didn't overly express an opinion because overly expressing opinion in in countries where you have a dictatorship, albeit benign, is not a good idea. Yeah, and also cinemas, cinemas and theaters are opening. And you've got so many beautiful, big buildings out there and uh, a guaranteed weather system that the whole region could be the holiday center of the world if it wanted to be. And indeed, Dubai does want to be. So, again, two different countries, Dubai and Saudi Arabia, very different countries, but they've got the same sort of um, infrastructure and, and possibilities.
0: You know, I was actually, I forgot to mention it last week, you know, the Hajj started. I think there's a, a, a big
1: Hajj and a small Hajj. Is there two of okay. I thought, well, we were yeah, looking yeah. at
0: videos of inside Mecca and that it was just, it was elbow to elbow. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. But people want to be at Mecca for the Eids, for the big celebrations. That's sort of um, a bigger feather in your cap, religiously, so to speak. It's like going to the Vatican on Easter Sunday. Those, those kind of things, yeah. An Eid has just just gone. Eid al Adha, which is the second Eid, and then Eid al Fitter, which comes immediately after uh, Ramadan.
0: All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and transition. I know we took a quite a side road there, but that's okay. We don't get to talk about stuff like that very often, uh, and it's always always neat to get your insight on uh, you know your your time spent out there. Let's transition into uh, the. Um, uh, the COVID stuff, because we got a lot to talk about on this. You wanted to start with the BBC Two documentary called Unvaxxed that you saw last night?
1: It's called The Unvaccinated, um, a similar title to The Unwashed or The Unwanted. It, it, it was called The Unvaccinated. I, I'm just going to go straight ahead here and, and try and describe to the listeners, uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, what I saw. What I saw was probably the prettiest, most camera-friendly member of Sage, who wasn't an epidemiologist, virologist, or any kind of medical doctor, but she was in fact a statistician and a, you know, a mathematician, gathered together seven individuals to live in a house for five days, all of which were unvaccinated. Do you remember when we've seen, like, Uh, footage of the protests in London, the anti-immigration protests, the Brexit protests. Yep. Who do the press decide to thrust the microphone into the lips of and put the camera on the face of? Someone with a reasonable demeanour and and a a sensible argument to put forward? No. They put the the microphone and the camera in front of a raving lunatic far-right skinhead, idiot, and they'll say things like, oh, they're taking our jobs. Well, what do you do? Well, I haven't got a job at the moment. So they're, hang on, make your mind up. Are they taking your jobs or, or what? But they tell you everybody uh, there is you know, is representing the same exact thing. Yeah, and and what they do is they defeat the arguments by only showing... The idiots, basically. The trucker protest.
0: A a good example of this. I'm sorry to interject, but a good example of this, the trucker protest in Canada. They stuck one idiot out there with a Nazi flag, and there just happened to be a photographer standing right next to him to take the photo, and it turned out that that photographer that took the photo... Of the guy holding the, uh, the, the swastika flag, you know, wearing the balaclava, the full face balaclava. The photographer
1: was Justin Trudeau's personal professional photographer. Oh, right. So, so he's in the right place at the right time. Just and happened to and, be uh, there. Yeah. I dare say the the swastika waving Nazi got paid to be there. Uh-huh. But that's and this just, is and this, that's, is that's just, uh, my, yeah, yeah. this is what he used in Parliament to denounce his opposition. Yeah, yeah, that's what he no. used that example to denounce his opposition in Parliament. Well, he he is the lowest of the low, quite frankly. Is, but, yeah. but anyway, sorry, go ahead. To be fair to the seven participants, they may have been misrepresented through the edit because two women refused to go to the uh, laboratories to talk to the research scientists. And I think they refused because they they were fearful that the way that they would react when confronted or you know, in proximity to someone who'd done the research and were responsible for these drugs wouldn't have been able to control themselves. So they decided to stay at home that day. One of those women has, I believe, started legal proceedings against the BBC for misrepresentation. Two of the guys, one had quite dubious dress sense, I must say, but you hardly saw him for the entire programme. So what his opinion was, um, we'll never know unless you meet him and ask him personally. Another guy put forward some good arguments, but it was mainly his own hesitancy and none of the facts that we found out during our journey through the pandemic, and then there was and it's absolutely apropos of nothing that the guy was gay but he was an out and out conspiracy tinfoil hat wearing nut who believes that they've put chips inside the vaccine that will activate with the what's it called g5 is it the
0: 5g the 5g tower 5g 5 yeah, i yeah.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. i'm losing it so he was on the program quite a lot and had quite quite a lot to say on the program but that's because that's the way they edited it so that they they made all of the arguments uh look stupid and and facile and it was a blatant piece of propaganda and i tried to watch it with an open mind thinking well maybe they'll start telling the truth we've got the debate on vaccine injury coming up on the 19th of september that's the thing to watch because that will be quite probably another piece of stage theatre because you've got both sides of the house are bought and paid for by these these people. But anyway, the the programme itself was only an hour long. And at one point, this mathematician, statistician woman, she put 30 jelly beans on the table and one of those jelly beans tasted like earwax. Yeah, it's one of those Harry Potter... Any flavor bean things? Well, jelly bellies actually have the earwax flavored ones. Oh, okay. So the people around the table all took one each. And the um, black lady who's pregnant and didn't want to have the vaccination because she was concerned about fertility and what it might do to a child as she carried the child, she got the earwax one. And that was the 1 in 29 chance it, chance of having minor side effects such as headaches, sore arms, brain fog, that kind of stuff. Then she got, I think, about a 1,000 jelly beans on the table and said, in amongst that lot, there is one of these as well, but we need to get all these other ones out. And she then proceeded to get big bags, each of 5,000, until there were something like 33,000 jelly beans on the table. And that's what she's saying the chances of myocarditis was, or severe. But even if that statistic is correct, one in 33,000 vaccinations, that is still too high a figure for any other drug to have passed any kind of clinical trial for those kind of severe reactions. To cut a long story short, at the end of the program, they were all interviewed at a vaccination centre and were asked if they would now have the vaccine after all of this evidence, including doctors that basically I called the doctor out in several lies while I was watching it. The air turned blue in my living room as I was watching this this program and watching the lies come out of the mouths of the the research scientists and the doctors and the medical professionals that, that were trying to convince these people to have the vaccination. Every single one of them said no. So to their credit... They stuck to their guns and they were not convinced by the things that they had been shown because what they had been shown was the propaganda and lies. There was no mention of Gates. There was no mention of the fact that the clinical trials were done on blood products uh, for humans and not on actual live humans. So there there could be no side effects, you know, observed. And I think Ned's going to talk a lot more about that. I won't go on about that. Yeah, it was a piece of propaganda. And I just hope the British public can see it for what it is and anyone else who might watch it around the world, because obviously the BBC is available around the world. The uh, chances of myocarditis,
3: according to um was it Malone, I think was saying it. Uh or Malone and it?
0: McCullough. McCullough's a cardiologist. McCullough.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's talking um, very It was something very happy like
3: it. it's like one in a thousand roughly, if you have not ha- had COVID. It might have been a little higher than that. It might have been closer to 3,000. Uh, but I do remember if you've had COVID and then you get vaccinated, it's 1 in
1: 800. So, that- And we've said all along that what they were saying on the program was that, you know, just catching COVID can give you myocarditis. But what I believe is that the vaccine is the virus. There was no mention about the question of Fauci over the of function research. There was no mention of Wuhan whatsoever. No mention of splicing on uh, the HIV protein spike onto SARS two to make COVID. All of these things there's a paper trail for and, and can be proven and are being discussed in your Senate on a regular basis. However, that news isn't reaching the great British public because the BBC It's not reaching any public complicit. No, it's not reaching uh, any public. The endless. only chance—the so, only chance that are they have—is your, have standard, is are your Senate like hearings us, not televised?
3: They are, they are, but not exactly. It's on C-SPAN, but if it's not on a major news media, it doesn't really make it th- uh, through the rounds. People posted on like Twitter and Facebook from C-SPAN. The problem is Facebook and Twitter are notorious about shadow banning and banning those uh, th- yeah, that content.
5: Yeah. Well,
1: the the tin hat wearing guy on the programme last night has been banned from Twitter, banned from Facebook several times for posting stuff. And and this is why I was so adamant about stuff from David Icke, who speaks the truth, but then fluffs it all up with mysticism about lizard people and all this kind of crap, which completely dilutes the message. It's like, here's the truth, but I'm going to tell you something else now that's going to make you completely disbelieve what I've just told you. There's a program in the UK, a comedy show. It's a panel show called Would I Lie to You? And celebrities read out facts about themselves, some of which are true, some of which are lies. And then the other team gets to question that individual. And if you want your team to win... If it's the truth, you've got to convince them you're lying by blushing and farting and, and fluffing your lines and not knowing specific answers to the questions or pretending not to know specific answers to the questions you're being asked. If you want to cover up the truth, fit a lie in it as well. Excuse my language, but the old way to get a lie across is normally the shit sandwich. Two bits of truth with the lie in the middle. In this case, it's the truth wrapped around the shit. There we have it. It's more propaganda. It was a waste of license payers' money. Yeah,
0: I can can imagine. But
1: no, to to your earlier
0: point, no public is getting that information apart from, and obviously we're just, you know, a small cog in this wheel here, but... um, you know, people like us, and and a lot of the other podcasters. That's why a lot of people, a lot of thinking people, are turning to podcast, and this is why they want to shut it down. I mean, right now, yeah. for anybody that listens to us on Spotify, we're flagged. So anytime we talk about COVID on any of our uh, of our podcasts, we're flagged by Spotify saying. OK, they're talking about COVID. You need to click here to learn about credible sources of COVID. And it takes you to all of the people that we're sitting here calling out, showing the lies and the hypocrisy. It takes you to CNN. It takes you to the New York Times. It takes you to the BBC. It takes you to all these there places was, that are putting was, out um, this
1: crap. There was one visit to a fact-checking organization, a UK fact-checking organization. Uh, it's mainstream and media is what it is, yeah. They had they had one example Uh, of of a someone having makeup put on them in supposedly in ukraine and then it it comes back with shock horror actually this was a movie set yeah we know but those movie set photos and and footage are being used to promote the war so that was put forward as as an answer then the statistician woman very attractive redhead quite pale-skinned she'd have burnt to a crisp the last couple of days she was saying about oh this one time not at Bang camp she was ginger as well wasn't she um she was yeah but she <laughs> she was saying this one time uh a baby had gone to get the mmr jab and the baby or the the child was sat there with its parent and the doctor was just got the needle ready and was about to stick it in the child's arm when the phone rang and he had a choice he either put the needle down and answer the phone or he jabbed and then Called back later, but he decided to pick the phone up. And as he's talking on the phone, the child begins to fit a uh, uh, foam at the mouth and and go into like an epileptic fit. The point she was trying to make was that if the needle had gone into the the child's arm and he hadn't have answered the phone call, and then they'd have had the fit anyway for the rest of their lives. That child's family and the child, if it survived, would have believed it was the vaccine that caused it. And that was one example that they put forward. Just one example. Same as with the fact checker. He had one picture that was provedly false. It was pathetic. But the way in which they dismissed the arguments was either not show them being put forward by the participants because the the edit is in their control or by just discrediting what the people had to say by the fact of who they were and their character. That's what we've got to expect more and more of.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I've got a clip here of uh, Dr. Peter McCullough that I would like to play regarding these vaccines and what these companies are now facing and what the reaction of the population is at this point, at this point where we are now. And again, they're talking about more restrictions. We're going to move into that here in just a moment.
5: People who take the vaccines and get COVID and take more vaccines or people who take vaccines and they actually get serious side effects and they take more vaccines. You can tell that they're not thinking correctly. That actually could be a third of the country. So but with with one third, over one third dug in now saying, listen, it's not happening. The vaccine program is essentially over with right now. A third of the country is saying it's not happening. And there's no level of threat that matters. People, people have already lost their job, Paul. They've, they're already fed up with this. There, there are vaccine uh, rallies. Because of so many people in the working age uh, range dying, there are so many jobs open. People could just change jobs. So, well, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to take a vaccine. Fine, find a, Find a better job. Same thing with kids in school. They can transfer to other schools. So you're going to see market forces gravitate. So many companies have dropped the vaccine mandates, Paul, because, you know, the bottom line is people don't want them. I don't know anybody who wants a vaccine. You know, people are holding freedom rallies. You and I have spoken at freedom rallies. People actually want data on COVID-19, they actually they want to cheer for health freedom. There's no vaccine rallies going on. There's no vaccine gala events. No one's celebrating these things. It's a really dark, horrible time. And recently, Stefan Banzel, CEO of Moderna. Was chagrin, he told the viewers, millions of doses are now going to be wasted because no one wants the vaccines. Pfizer oh. and Moderna together. Yes. So the bottom line, it's all going for waste at, You know, at this point in time anyway. It doesn't matter if they approved it for children or not.
0: And he's absolutely right. Anybody that wants one has the ability to go out and get one. You don't need to be pushing anymore. There's an open revolt that's happening here now. And I, I was actually, I was I was uh, paying attention to it the other day. Do you know, Bruce, they're pushing five here now? They're pushing five, five, four and five. They're, they're pushing four and five. And like the health minister, you know, the crazy one that, you know, at the protest, he's out as like the Grim Reaper that everybody's making fun of. He's pushing four and five on the German population. And even the doctors that were for the first three said, we're not doing any more of these things. You're crazy. You people are crazy. So even their even their medical establishment people are now turning against
1: them. The figures given out on on last night's propaganda were that in the UK, and I believe we're just under 70 million people, that only 4 million were not uh, have not been vaccinated at all. And I I actually think that's a lie. I think far more people have not been vaccinated, but
0: it's they, they want to play a minority group. That's what they need to do here. They need to, they need to get everybody in a position where, it, psychologically, they need to target a minority group. So this is why they're trying to create that supermajority in every other area, to try and say, oh, look, you see, these 4 million people, these 5 million people, 10 million people, whatever, these are the ones, these right-wing extremists over here, these conspiracy theorists, these are the ones that are holding everybody back. They're the ones that are preventing everything from going back to normal. You see, these people are the problem. And I agree with you. I think those numbers are a lie. I think they're a lie, just like everything else that these people, what we're suddenly going to believe them, that there's 4 million, 5 million, 10 million in the US, 30 million people that haven't been vaccinated. I think it's a lot higher than that. I think they're doing the same with that data. And I've said this many times before. I think they're doing the same with that data as they're doing with all the other data. They're literally flipping it.
3: So uh, real quick, <laughs> how is Germany legally, how, how are they legally allowed to continue pushing for more vaccinations when their own government has said one in five thousand, or or even higher, uh, that that number is even even well
0: higher. The insurance company chances here, higher. The largest numbers, insurance company but, that we talked about said that four percent of the German population is now permanently disabled according to yeah. their own numbers from their claims.
3: So how is it that they're still pushing for these vaccinations? When if you have one severe case in a hundred thousand, the vaccine is done. Like it, the 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 ones that we've talked about before, they've it, there was one that was done for nine hundred thousand doses were administered. Nine had adverse effects. It was taken off the market. It, one in one hundred thousand, and, and and the government is saying one in five thousand. That is a huge difference. There we're we're yeah. talking. The, the, the thing is, is adverse effects, <laughs> that also means dead. That does not just mean, uh, you know, they, they had some kind of uh, illness and now they're over it. The, the thing about myocarditis, the ones that get it from the vaccination, according to uh, Malone, I believe it was, said that 25% of those cases are permanent. They are now permanently maimed, uh, whereas, you know, most of them recover but it's over a long period of time.
1: How are we still pushing this? How is this still legal? Has it got anything to do with the status between Germany and the EU? Are they EU edicts that are coming out to, no. to force well, mandates? Well, that could be
0: behind the scenes. That that could be something behind the scenes that we're not purviewed to or that we haven't seen yet. Uh, it's a nice shirt, by the way, Bruce. I just noticed that. <laughs> Thank you. Marty, I'm oh. sure you appreciate the shirt too, yeah? Well, it's very nice of you, Rebel, to put a target <laughs> right over. <laughs> yeah, Bruce is wearing a uh, a seventeen seventy six shirt. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm, uh, with, I'm wearing with the signers I'm maiden a signers shirt. But no, it's uh, if that's something that's going on to the EU, I I think the only edict that we're seeing coming out of the EU is the. Um, as far as COVID is the uh, digital passport, the digital wallet—that's the only edict we're seeing coming out of the EU. As far as the vaccine mandates go, from the European Union side of things, that didn't fly from the start. I think they tried, but they're playing it from another angle. They're focusing on the digital wallet, the COVID certificates, the, the green passes. They're focusing on that, but they're leaving the mandates up to the national governments, who will take the hit. So the EU is playing the larger game here, and they're they're sacrificing the national governments in this case. And if you noticed all of these governments, they're all changing out all these leaders now, which we discussed earlier. So they'll take the hit at the national level for the bad policy. But the higher agenda here is that digital wallet. They need that. COVID is only a part of this. They need that for the future. But you know what? I think their digital currency is already dying on its face because people are starting to get, hey, wait a minute, uh, there's something more to this, but I don't want to drift too far. Germany set to reimpose mask mandates in September, because we can already tell, right, that it's going to happen in fall. We can already tell it's going to happen. Uh, despite the summer COVID wave that is already losing momentum, indicating rules are, well, it's possible that it could be permanent. And by the way, if you think that it's just the Germans, you are mistaken. What's the saint that Dr. Anthony Fauci been saying? Oh, we're going to have to bring these mask mandates in. San Diego, California, you know, the supposedly the most conservative part of California. They're already re-implementing the indoor mask mandate starting next week. New York, same thing. L.A., San Francisco. I don't think they they ever took them out there because, I mean, you've got all those daytime robberies now. I mean, you got to have somebody, you know, you don't want to spread COVID when you're robbing a store of a half a million dollars worth of Rolexes. So the Germans are saying that you're going to bring that back. And don't think that you guys in the U.K. are restricted from this either. Because if you think, and I I was telling this to, to Ned, I said, don't think for a minute that you're out of the woods just yet. Listen to this out of talk TV. This is a professor of industrial economics, David Patton.
4: The idea that the BMJ and the health service journal bosses would think that the the data we've got currently on COVID would justify bringing back in or ever having brought in the, the sort of COVID measures and restrictions we've seen in our lives defies belief, doesn't it? They simply can't be looking at the same data you and I are looking at.
2: Well, you're you're right. Um, We've seen that although we have had a big increase in infections over the past month or two, they're now declining. So admissions to hospitals um, related to COVID peaked around about the 10th of July, about 10 days ago, and are now slowly going down. We know that there's still about 14,000 patients in hospital who have uh, tested positive for COVID, but the the majority of those are not there primarily for COVID. But it was interesting to me that the editorial came out yesterday. Yesterday is the anniversary of so-called Freedom Day, 19th of July the previous year, when the government decided to take a change in tack and say we're no longer going, going to rely on restrictions. We're going to move back generally to more advice and guidance. And I think at the time, many people in the health area and in, and in politics were very upset by that yeah in fact over the past year we've seen something of a campaign continuously yeah. oh well, I'm going to
4: say we had predictions from independence age many on stage saying this was a disaster of the government it was wrong they, they called it immoral they called it reckless they said we're going to see a huge number of deaths i mean there have been deaths but there would have been either way wouldn't there whenever you come out unless you stay in restrictions forever you're going to see that happen
2: Uh, That's exactly right. Now, to be fair, Alastair McClellan, who was uh, one of the co-authors of the editorial, he acknowledges that admissions are going down. So they're not calling for restrictions because they don't understand the data. I think in a way, it's more worrying than that. The tone of the editorial is really saying that actually since that past year, we've had ups and downs of uh, COVID, of course, irrespective of any restrictions that have been in place. But they say that that level is, uh, is unacceptable. So really what they're calling for is not restrictions in response to a particular increase but long-term permanent changes to the way we live our live our lives. and
4: this is the thing that is really terrifying because we're seeing that even with you know with heat you know you know don't don't travel don't do this we're seeing that with uh uh, generally with just you know the net zero targets well this sort of justification monkeypox people even talking about restrictions of some sort this this immediate jump to the solution to this problem is to restrict people's lives and it's the
0: same across the board. You've got Biden who is saying he's going to take military action on climate change in the coming weeks. And he's going to do it at the executive level because Congress refuses to act. So it's going to give the office, not him specifically, per se, because they'll, I think he's he's on the verge of being 25th out of there, my, in my opinion. But the office of of the presidency itself is going to be turned into an official dictatorship under this because they'll classify anything as a as a climate emergency. Macron in France is already telling people in France, we're going to have to turn off the streetlights at night now, which is exactly what they're doing in Cuba right now, by the way, because they can't keep the lights on down there because most of their energy comes from Venezuela. Venezuela, they can't keep the lights on. Sri Lanka, total collapse over there. They can't keep the lights on there. People are shopping in the dark. Bruce and I were watching videos on it last night or, or night before last. We weren't here yesterday. But you see, this is a permanent change that they're looking to bring into all of these countries. COVID was just meant to get you in the door with it. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a gateway disaster, isn't it? And uh, they'll get us on to harder and stronger disasters uh, as, as we go. What's happened with monkeypox? I haven't heard a damn thing about it. All I know is it's been um, uh, it's been a campaign
0: campaign. To get, um, met, they're targeting specifically members of the LGBT community with it. Yeah, um, and after the um, after Pride Month, now they're all standing out in front of vaccine clinics in places like New York and LA and stuff like that, and they're they're
1: booking vaccine appointments for that. And do you know, amongst the LGBTQ community, there are some very intelligent free thinkers. They, by the very nature of the of the oppression that they have been under from society for quite long periods of time and you know tolerance is is increasing they've got more reason to mistrust governments than than most i would say so maybe that's entirely what it was it, it was another disaster to get a part of society to roll their sleeves up yeah this um the monkeypox uh, specifically they're looking
3: at pretty close to 2 million uh doses here in the United States that the, that have already been purchased. Um they have not
1: been delivered yet, but they, they've been purchased. You know, chickenpox, smallpox, monkeypox, they all they're all basically the same genus of virus. And we no longer vaccinate against chickenpox in the UK because Is it chickenpox smallpox? Is- no chicken pox. Chicken pox uh, you okay. used to be able to get chicken pox vaccinations. I was thought. I mean, but you know, best thing to do
0: with that was just, like when we were kids. Best thing to do with that is just get it you when did, you're young. You'd, you'd have a chicken pox
1: party. Yeah, as soon exactly. as a kid on the estate exactly. had chicken pox, all go yep. around the house, have a party, make sure you all got it. Yep. Scratch like hell for a couple of days when the spots Take came yelp, yelp out, yelp and move on. Yeah. yeah, and we built up a herd immunity. Now we've discussed at length about how mrna vaccines actually degrade your immune system and so the reemergence of these pox related viruses is no surprise but here in the uk if you want to go uh, and and get vaccinated for chicken pox if you want your child vaccinated i think it's something like 134 pounds a shot something like that wow that's quite expensive but most people um, don't bother because we haven't needed to because our immune system and our herd immunity has been a as good a protector against chickenpox as, as anything else i mean the fact that your system eventually fights off that infection means that your system is working if you get it and you ha- and you're immunocompromised then it can be as serious as smallpox or monkeypox and in later got, life, it turns into shingles, which is yeah, shingles. absolutely excruciating.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. I, I've known people of of higher age groups that have gotten the shingles, and they say, you don't want that. Uh, but we have shingles vaccines now, apparently. But I actually know somebody that was senior citizen that was in the US that was actually injured by one of those, uh, and they basically got to a point where they could never walk again after that. But that's another story. I don't want to get into it. This is a... Uh, real quick.
3: Yeah, go uh, On that, I actually yeah. know someone close uh, to the family that had... An adverse effect, and they were unable to walk for about a week. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, okay. This is a new study that's out. By the way, this is uh, this has been reviewed by uh, three different PhD holders, or to, excuse me, two, two PhD holders and one MD. Protection of SARS-CoV-2 natural infection against reinfection with Omicron BA4 or BA5 subvariants. And it says, the effectiveness of previous SARS-CoV-2 infection in preventing... Reinfection with the Omicron BA4 BA5 subvariants using the S gene, which is a target failure infection diagnosed between May 7th and July 4th of this year. All SARS-CoV-2 infections diagnosed between June 8th and June twenty-two, or excuse me, June 8th and July 4th of this year when BA4 and BA5 were the dominant incidents. Basically, to sum this up, what they're saying in this is At the highest end of this, at the highest end of this, you're looking at a 92.6% immunity protection against reinfection uh, when it comes to if you've been exposed to Omicron. Uh, And at the low end, you're looking at 79.7. So that's the lowest level you're going to get. But this isn't exactly making the news, is it? No, no. See, they're saying, you've got to go out and you've got to get jabbed again. You've got to get number four or five. And if you're in Israel, you got to get number six or whatever they're saying in Australia. I think it's five or six. And I think it's in Queensland, but or New South Wales. But this, this has always been the path out of this is natural immunity.
1: It's always been that. And it's been ignored. That's the question people really need to ask themselves, isn't it? Anyone who's still believing in the narrative needs, needs to ask themselves that question. Why? Have the jabs been pushed when there is enough real data to support herd immunity and the natural immunity of your own system? And before we go, because this is going to be the last clip
0: I'm going to play. We played this last week, but I don't know. Were you here last week, Marty, when we played this clip, this latest clip from uh, Dr. Mike Yaden? Were you here
1: when we played that? Is it? Well, if it's the one where he talks about thinking of ways of poisoning people. Yes. Then I've seen the clip, but I don't know if I was here when you played it. All right. Well, I tell
0: you what, just for good measure, we're going to play it again. This doesn't wake people up at this point. I mean, we're talking about natural immunity in the latest data and these, uh, these jabs because they're going to push it again. They're resetting. You know what they're saying now. In the Western world, they're going to reset. They're going to bring back all the restrictions, all the lockdowns, all the face masks and everything else. So, you know, they're going to push another jab campaign come this fall and winter. But as Dr. Malone said, they've got new triple trivalent vaccines that they're going to be rolling out that will not be clinically tested and that will not go through any kind of trials. They're just going to roll them straight out, which is what Doc Yaden explains here.
6: I remember once I worked out that something seriously off was going on in 2020, um, and I, I thought, and I heard a discussion. I overheard a discussion somewhere uh, between uh, FDA, a European medicines agency, and the Japanese medicines agency. Those three had had an initial informal conversation, and they said this: they said we could anticipate we anticipate in the future and there might be a need to make amended, adjusted. Uh, variant COVID-19 vaccines. And if the drug companies should do that, the position we anticipate taking is to say that, be- that because those amended vaccines are so similar to the first-generation vaccines from each company, we won't expect them to do you know, new clinical trials or indeed any clinical trials. And so when I heard that, I'm afraid my conclusion was, so that's why they've used genetic vaccines that have never been used before. It's because they've got an intended purpose for them, and I'm afraid right. I'll just talk in the camera because you know, just, they just voted on it last week there's no requirement for any safety fixity studies in humans from these right. variant, variant vaccines, which means a drug company's computer they can form any code they damn well like, press alt print, manufacture a billion doses of something the FDA is not going to check and they can stick it in a billion arms so if, as like me you conclude that whatever's going on and whoever's doing it, they are completely, completely malign, you know, and evil. Uh, there's no possible good side to this whatsoever. Uh, if you thought that it might be possible that this group had in mind to reduce the human population, uh, I honestly, I swear, I could not find a kind of more a cleverer more easily deniable plausible deniability they'll have till the end so people like me that they'll just ignore me but so i predicted at the end of 2020 they will bring about variant vaccines uh they will have got approval from the drug regulator not to have to test them and then they'll stick them in people and am i for i'm afraid that it's easy to i I remember one afternoon in about two hours i came up with three or four ways of poisoning people in a way that you would not be able to detect it so i could i could uh do something that would augment tumors and make them run away. You know, I could put a promoter gene, I could put a, a promoter to a promoter gene. So you would get no acute toxicity, but sometime in the next period, six months or a year, you would have a, a plethora of different tumors.
5: Mutations, exactly.
6: Yeah, which you could blame on whatever crap is going on in the world and you can just lie about what's going on in the world.
1: Final thoughts, Marty? Well, there's Dr. Mike Eden, basically the science backing the science up from what that sociopath gate said in his ted talk about wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do this if we could do that if we can vaccine our way to a smaller a population race. a master race a master yeah i mean that's what they're after it's eugenics uh, it's very very worst bruce you got any final thoughts
3: i'm not surprised in all of this w- with that conclusion that he came to that's Kind of what we've talked about, at least behind the scenes, we we kind of speculated this would be the thing. And the thing is, is if you want to post this data, you want to post this information out there and on social media. Um, uh, yeah, you you'll get yourself banned uh, because anything to do with depopulation, you, you get banned. Uh, I, I there's a um, well, a, a larger uh, podcaster uh, that I've watched. He posted data on this, and it was just data. And he said, um, hashtag um, depopulation. And his tweet, he thought at first, because, uh, you know, this was the official data. So he thought at first, you know, he got normal banned because he posted the data. But then he seen a bunch of other people were posting the data, too, and weren't getting banned. The only other thing that was in his tweet was hashtag depopulation. That's what got him banned.
0: Yep. As you said, Marty, you were mentioning Gates in his TED talk, but we also have the clip of him saying it. We've got the video of him saying it where he says, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health, we can lower that number by 10 to 15%. Well, you can only reduce population through use of vaccines by two ways, either sterilization or euthanization. There's no third option there, unless there
1: is one that eludes me. There's no third option. I hope beyond hope that all of those people who have had the jab don't suffer any of these things that we are expecting them to and can actually recover from the situation. But yeah, people have just got to stop rolling their sleeves up. Yeah. And
0: like I've said, I'm one of those guys that uh, I hope that Trump doesn't run. I'm serious about that. I, I hope that he doesn't run. Because, quite frankly, he's the one that put this wheel in motion. Now, rather, he's the one that is responsible for mRNA or, or whatever, which I don't think that he is. He's just responsible for cutting all the red tape and allowing these people to do this. And he was an avid endorser of the vaccine. I think he has been uh, and still is to a, to a great extent. Oh, still is. Still um, is. I'm sorry. I'm not OK with that. I, I have, uh, excuse me, I, And I always misspeak when I say that. I had friends of mine that are no longer here now. I'm not going to let that one go. I'm just not going to do it. And I can't believe that people are still out there and he's filling up sports stadiums. I can't believe
1: it. I I just cannot believe it. Are we so forgetful? So many people would have taken solace from Boris's last words in PMQs. Hasta la vista. Because what's the other thing that Arnie says all the time? I'll be back. Get to the job. I'll be back. Get to the job. I'll be back. I'll be back. And that's what Johnson's narcissism, and I'm afraid it's what Donald Trump's narcissism makes them believe they can do. And if they get enough support from the people who are hard of thinking, then that's what will happen. So I agree with the Donald Trump thing. There's, there's a caveat
3: that I'll, I, I will throw him a bone. Now- I want to put this out there first. He was just in, I think it was Wyoming, uh, doing a rally. And he was on stage saying, talking about his greatest achievement, but he said, I cannot name it because you'll boo me. Uh huh. Yeah. And okay. he said it before what his greatest achievement was, yep. was vaccinations. That, so if it. he continues on this and we have the opportunity of, say, let's uh, say, uh, DeSantis, I'm supporting DeSantis over him hell, I'm supporting a Ted Cruz, which I'm not happy with right now. I'm, I'm, I'm supporting someone other than him. I'll throw him a bone. If he will come out and say, look at the data and be like, I was wrong. I was lied to. If he, if he can has a turning point, I'll give him a chance. And the reason I say that he did good by us. If you look at every other metric, uh, I mean, you look at the uh, the, the international policy, you look at the the business, uh, energy, all every other sector he did Border great security. on. Border security, he did great on everything else except for the vaccine. If he can put a good case out there that they lied to me and I was in the wrong, if he will do that, then he'll have my vote.
1: Yeah, no, not that I feel the need to leap to the defense of billionaires, but there is a strong possibility that Donald Trump was deliberately misled and of course if it's an idea that the only way out of this problem is to vaccinate our way out which was what he was convinced of and particularly i think he did have a, a jolly good dose of covid and was quite ill as a result of it and he may have totally believed what he was being told but at the same time you've got to realize that there's a strong possibility that he knew all along what was happening right we are going to have to go for those of you who
0: would like to send us some feedback please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast@protonmail.com. at protonmail.com also do you like the podcast you're listening to we do love having you as a listener and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends do you know someone you're trying to wake up do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction bruce and marty i want to thank you both for being here this evening thank you to all of the listeners everyone have a great weekend and we will see you on
1: monday good night always.